What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. This is episode 45, and I am your host, Jimmy Covington. And I'm tag, I'm with my guy. What's up? I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. What's going on? Man, not much. How you doing, Quentin? I'm doing pretty good, my guy. How about you? I can't complain, man. Just chilling on the off day. Yeah, I feel that. Weather's supposed to get kind of crazy, I know, over this weather this week. It was some uh, strong wind down here yesterday. Yeah, it was a little strong wind yesterday, but it's 75 and sunny today. Yeah, I mean, it feels good outside, but uh, I think said something about maybe a possible tornado like tomorrow. This, that's about that time of the year. It's about that time of the year, especially for Tennessee. Right, sure, sure. Well, we got a couple of topics on hand for y'all today. Uh, first off, we're going to start with the NBA here. Uh, we all know there's been a slew of injuries in the NBA to big-name players over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and there's six guys that we want to touch on today. And first, we're, gonna, we're, gonna be, we're talking about LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, LaMelo Ball, and Stephen Curry. So, Quinn, let's start off with LeBron. He's the most recent. So, Quinn, give me your thoughts on the LeBron, uh, LeBron James injury. Yeah, so, of course, LeBron, that was a pretty nasty injury. So, for the sprain ankle against the Hawks over the weekend. Solomon Thomas rolled over his ankle. They were diving for a loose ball. Uh, but they're expecting him to be out of month, probably out in late April. So, I mean, you have to think long-term. I don't think he can rush back. I think the Lakers, from their point of view, they're being pretty cautious with it also. But, you know, he's never had an injury like this or at least a severe sprained ankle. Of course, he had the groin two years ago. But I believe, you know, the Lakers are in a pretty uh, peculiar position because they're only four games out of possibly being in the seventh seed. So it could be interesting to see how they try to stay balanced while he's up. Definitely. For me, uh, high ankle sprain, which is, if I'm, you know, I'm not a medical expert by any means, but if that's one type of ankle sprain I would not like to have, it's a high ankle sprain. Uh, I, we've seen many athletes over the years, uh, professionals suffer high ankle sprains, and they usually take a, little, a lot a lot longer than normal to heal. Uh, they're kind of tricky. Uh, so, you know, LeBron had been playing heavy minutes, uh, putting in, putting up big time numbers. You know, with Anthony Davis still out, uh, that, you know, it, I'm definitely concerned. I don't think, you know, the Lakers, I don't think we're built to withstand those kind of injuries, to be completely honest with you. Uh, we don't have a third star, I would say. We have, you know, great supporting players, but we don't have, you know, a third star. You know, the Lakers were already seven and eight without Anthony Davis, and then now LeBron James goes out, and they lost They lost to the Pelicans, I think, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Uh, so I'm definitely concerned. Hopefully, you know, he can come back uh, and be the old LeBron James that he's been this season. And, you know, this will give him time to get some rest, uh, you know, and hopefully it doesn't affect him going down the line towards playoff time and actually during the playoffs. Right. And I believe AD supposed to be back in early April. Maybe he'll start wrapping up his basketball activities in the next week or two, I'm expecting. But the Lakers are seven and nine since he's been out since February 14th, actually. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I highly doubt they'll make a free agent move, but I will completely rule them out uh, with the deadline coming up Thursday. But I imagine their best option is probably to look in the buyout market. 
Definitely. And it's kind of perfect. You transitioned to Anthony Davis, who was actually, you know, mentioned was second on the list. Uh, he had he's suffering from a calf strain and uh, tendinosis injury. And like you said, they're 79 without AD. Uh, he's been out for quite some time. You said since February 14th. I think that's what you said. Right, yeah, Valentine's. So, uh, and you mentioned you talked about it. Like I said, they've struggled without him, been under 500 without him, and we definitely need him uh, going to playoff time. We are not a championship contender without Anthony Davis. I mean, as great as LeBron James is, we're not a championship contender without him. We need him. Uh, he's a defensive monster, probably, arguably the best defensive player in basketball, uh, one of the best scorers in the game, versatile inside, outside, post, uh, can take bigs off the dribble, can guard, you know. Three through four, three through the five, sometimes one through the five, depending on you know the guard. So we, we definitely need him, and uh, he needs to come back and as soon as possible. Yeah, no doubt. I think for either of these players, you definitely won't be picking the Lakers as championship favorites if either of these players aren't healthy when it matters most. But I think they'll be fine. Like I said, they'll just have to hopefully keep their head above water uh, while both of these players are out. And with Anthony Davis, you know, routinely he misses at least 10 games a year. That's been pretty much routine uh, throughout his career. Uh, but that, like I said, that's kind of a perfect segue because we're moving on to another big man who also routinely misses, you know, a solid amount of games in Joel Embiid. In my opinion, uh, Joel Embiid was the MVP of the league before he went down with a, a bone bruise in his left knee. Uh, you know, they're saying he's going to be out two to three weeks. And it says Philly are, is opting to be, more cautious in terms of his return. Uh, but my thing with Philly is, you know, they're currently number one in the Eastern Conference. I'm not concerned about their seating. What I am concerned about is his conditioning going into the playoffs, which is his entire career has pretty much been one of his biggest flaws as a player is his conditioning level when it matters most. And, you know, if he misses three, four weeks, you know, what are, what is he going to look like? You know, the playoffs are going to start soon. It's about to be April. Uh, we're going to play off start, you know, late April, early May. So, you know, what is he going to like, you know, in terms of playoff time? So I, I think they definitely need him back as soon as possible. I understand being cautious with his injury history, uh, but you do need him to be, you know, in tip, tip, in tip top condition because uh, we've seen what he's been able to do this year, uh, putting up 30 points a game, a double-double, shooting 40% from three to something that we don't normally see from big men. He's probably one of the most, probably the most talented big man in the game. I think he's the best center in the game uh, easily, especially on both what he can do both sides of the floor. And I think Philly definitely needs him if they want to make a championship run. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head with his injury. You know, it's a bone bruise to his knee. Fortunately, you know, there wasn't any structural damage to his ACL or meniscus or anything like that. But you know, he could be out, I guess, three weeks. He's still, in my opinion, top five at worst MVP candidate. Uh, you know, if the Sixers stay the first seed in the East, even when he comes back, he could still possibly win it. But I think the biggest difference for the Sixers this year, for one, I think you could say Joel Embiid's best condition of his career this year. And I think that's why we've seen the MVP output. And then, you know, Ben Simmons, he's flourished in his role. Tobias Harris, he stepped up big time this year. And then you definitely can't discredit having Doc Rivers as head coach uh, and his coaching staff. That's definitely made a huge difference. And then the veteran presence uh, of Dwight Howard, guys like Danny Green, 
I think they'll help them stay in order and back in line for the playoffs. And that'll definitely be a factor uh, down the stretch in the postseason. And I would suspect uh, Philly to make at least a move during the trade deadline or at least be active in a buyout market. So when Joel Embiid does come back, uh, he doesn't have mm-hmm. to, you know, bear the burden, the offensive burden on his own. Like I said, you still have Tobias Harris. Uh, ben Simmons can dominate uh, when he decides to be aggressive. If he wants to, he can go out and get you 30 if you need him to. Uh, I'm sure they'll be looking to add more shooting, uh, more of, you know, more proven score, probably a secondary ball handler, somebody like Kyle Lowry, uh, which we'll get into later. Uh, but, I, you know, I, like they need – if they want a champion, win a championship, want to compete, they definitely need Joel Embiid back. Yeah, 100% right. And, uh, you know, another player in the Eastern Conference that, you know, his injury wasn't really as significant. I think he's only maybe missing a few days or so, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo on the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, he suffered a sprained knee injury. So, like I said, I think he's maybe considered day-to-day. But the Bucks, they've still been the great regular season team that we've been used to them being. Giannis is still putting up comparable stats to his MVP season. And I think at this point, the only thing that you could, you know, say would be working against them in the MVP voting is voter fatigue. Other than that, if the Bucks end up hanging around and, you know, Drew Holiday, you have to give him credit. He's been balling this year too. But uh, if they're the one seed at the end of the season, how could you not say Giannis is MVP again? It's easy because you said voter fatigue, of course. Uh, but we've also seen the last two years, while he's won MVP, he has been a bit of a disappointment come playoff time. So I think that's that's the easy way that you exclude him. If you're talking about MVP, you expect him to perform not only during the regular season, but also perform at the same similar level, if not a higher level in playoff time. And that's something he's consistently failed to do. So honestly, I think I, I shouldn't, honestly, I believe he shouldn't have an MVP at all. I think James Harden should have won the first time around. And I don't think he should have won MVP last year, being completely honest with you. You know, I can see that viewpoint. But, like, you know, it's a regular season award. So, playoffs don't play a factor. But, like you said, pressure, once again, is on him to deliver in the playoffs this year. Me, personally, I don't see them getting past the Brooklyn Nets, which is another topic. But, uh, like I said, Drew Holiday has definitely been a huge difference maker for the, for, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Definitely. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you can count them out. That's true. It's true. You definitely can't count them out. Uh, Drew Holiday is a is a major addition that people tend to underrate. He's pretty much been kind of underrated his entire career, but he brings a lot to the table. And uh, another guy, you know, he kind of segues perfectly. You mentioned Kevin Durant. That's who's next on our topic list. Kevin Durant has been out since February 15th, and uh, he's expected to miss at least one or two more weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, one thing that we have seen when players come off significant injuries like an Achilles, and ACL, anything like that, they tend to have soft tissue injuries like a hamstring, uh, calf muscle, those type of injuries. And I think that's right on par with what's going on with Kevin Durant right now. I think Brooklyn is opting to be more uh, cautious and taking a slow approach. But I think, you know, once Kevin Durant comes back, I think he's not going to miss a beat. I mean, we saw what he looked like beginning of the season. He was looking like the best player in basketball, in my opinion, at that point. He was putting up 30, 
uh, with ridiculous shooting splits, and uh, Brooklyn was rolling, and they're still continuing to roll without him. So when he comes back, you know, with his skill set, I think, you know, he's just going to fit right back into the lineup, and Brooklyn's going to continue to roll. Yeah, I think out of all the players that we have talked about and maybe uh, still have to mention, KD is probably the guy who I'm kind of concerned about just because he has missed so much time. And as you said, the lingering issues that have been associated with the type of injury he has, um, it makes me wonder is a lot of it just because he doesn't want to have that additional wear and tear come postseason, which once again goes back to why it was so important to go get a guy like James Harden who could carry the load night in and night out, much like he did in Houston, where he could still uh, get you ball games in a high seat come the playoffs. But, uh, you know, with his absence, Harden has definitely, in my opinion, vaulted himself to top, you know, maybe three or four MVP conversation this year. Definitely. And uh, he, James, right now, I think James Harden, you know, with the injuries to LeBron James and Joel Embiid, I might would have James. If you, if I had to just decide who was my MVP today, I might would go with James Harden, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think you got maybe Harden, Jokic, and, you know, even Dame in Portland. I wouldn't count out Dame. You know, Kevin with CJ, all they could And that could be another team that could benefit. You know, you hate to say benefit with the being injuries, but they could benefit from, you know, guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James missing missing significant time. Definitely. But we want to shift gears. Uh, same topic, just want to shift gears to another player here. Uh, LaMelo Ball fractured his right wrist, which is a shooting wrist, and he's expected to miss the remainder of the season. Well, the Charlotte Hornets are currently sitting at sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, LaMelo Ball is putting up you know, almost 16 points, six rebounds and six assists this season, 45% from the field, almost 38% from three, and nearly 80% from the free throw line. I think there's no doubt in anyone else's mind that he has been rookie of the year uh, thus far. And I think his injury is a huge blow uh, to what Charlotte had going. I fully expected them to be in the playoff, a playoff team. Uh, with him out of the fold now, I don't know if they will be able to sustain the level of play. And I'm definitely concerned. Yeah, like you said, uh, LaMelo was definitely guaranteed a shoe-in for rookie of the year. He might still win it, possibly. Uh, considering how they take into account the time he'll miss with his injury. But he was a night-in, night-out, triple-double threat. You know, a lot of people really slept on the Hornets coming into the season, but they're right in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Terry Rozier, they got him balling. Gordon Hayward's playing well. Uh, you got guys like P.J. Washington. Uh, they got some pieces. So uh, I think with LaMelo, he was definitely – uh, must-see TV, so they'll definitely miss his presence down the stretch at the end of the season. And, you know, they could possibly be a team that could be aggressive come the trade deadline on tomorrow. Definitely. Uh, Terry Rozier, I've seen, you know, some articles about Terry Rozier possibly being moved. Uh, hopefully not. I, you know, I've enjoyed watching the Miller Ball and Terry Rozier share the court together, so hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not, man. Hopefully it's not the long term. Definitely. And I, I know you mentioned a player that's must-see TV. 
I don't think there's a guy that's, that's more must-see TV than Stephen Curry. Uh, suffered a tailbone injury uh, last week. I'm expected to miss a week. Uh, and the Warriors are currently a game behind Dallas in the loss column uh, for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. So, Quinn, uh, what are your thoughts on the Steph Curry injury? Right. Like you said, this is another injury. He's not expected to miss too much time. But, uh, you know, probably more significantly, they got James Wiseman back healthy. Uh, their rookie big man, so that's huge for them, uh, having that guy in the middle. But the Warriors are probably – I don't really know who they'd be willing to trade right now, but they could be a team uh, that could be awesome. So I wouldn't sleep on the Warriors. And, you know, Steph Curry averaging 29 this year. He's definitely probably a worst top eight MVP candidate this year also. Definitely. Uh, Steph Curry, they need every bit of his scoring, his playmaking ability uh, just to make the playoffs. So, you know, him being out any significant time is uh, any, you know, any amount of time is detrimental to the playoff hopes. Right. I agree. And, you know, pretty much to kind of put all these together and piece it, with all these players being out, I think it puts more – eyes on the MVP race coming down, especially the second half of the season. Uh, you know, I said my top three right now will probably be Harden, Jokic, and Dame. But, you know, with the injuries to LeBron and AD, Harden, that'll give him a good opportunity to catapult himself in the race. Giannis, if the Bucks can finish first, you know, like you said, I wouldn't vote for him. But just the way it is, he could possibly win the race. And then the guy who's quiet himself and nobody else seems to be talking about as a sleeper MVP candidate, uh, Kawhi Leonard, he could be a guy that could sneak in there uh, late down the stretch in the season, too. Definitely. Uh, definitely. So, you know, as the year goes on every year, there's some names that are circulated in terms of trade talks as the trade deadline approaches. Uh, and the trade deadline actually is tomorrow at three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, so we know there are some guys that, you know, names that have been, you know, constantly in trade talks the entire season. And uh, we're going to hit on a few of those uh, real quick for you. So first I have Kyle Lowry. So Quinn, what are your thoughts on if Kyle Lowry would be traded? And if so, where do you expect him to land? Right. So the, the Raptors are actually in a pretty interesting situation, especially as of late. I think as of right now, the Raptors have lost, they've lost actually nine games in a row. They lost their last nine games and they currently sit at 11th in the Eastern Conference. So I believe we could be looking at them as a team who could be buyers, uh, or not buyers really, but sellers come the uh, trade deadline. I think I've seen teams swirling around Kyle Lowry, 76ers, the Heat, uh, and maybe even not even ruling out the Lakers. Uh, Kyle Lowry's still a great player. I think the 76ers could look to solidify their backcourt and possibly try to make a championship push. They could also be a factor because, you know, they're uh, Kyle Lowry's home team. And then the Lakers with the injury to LBJ and even thinking long-term in the playoffs, uh, he could be a scoring option for them as well as an additional playmaker and perimeter defender. But the thing for the Lakers, they have to give up probably KCP 
Montrez Harrell and some draft compensation. Yeah, for Kyle Lowry, uh, he's been linked to the Philadelphia 76ers, which you mentioned that is his hometown and the Miami Heat. Uh, he's 34. Uh, he's a free agent after this season, but he still has been putting up some great numbers, averaging almost 18 points, six rebounds, uh, seven assists, and a steal per game, uh, shooting 44% from the field, uh, 39% from three, and 88% uh, from the free throw line. So he's still putting up some very solid numbers, and he still can defend, you know, at a solid level. And as I, like I mentioned, three-point shooting, that's always coveted. He's a veteran. He's won a championship. He's played in, you know, plenty of playoff series. And I think, you know, he'd make any team happy as a starting point guard. I think when it comes to Philly, I think, you know, that would be a great fit for him. Uh, Miami as well. Uh, you know, Miami has been looking to make – they've been in trade talks all season long. Earlier they are talking about acquiring James Harden, which uh, fell through because of, you know, what Houston was commanding back and they didn't want to – give up Tyler Harrow in the deal. Uh, but I, if you can get Kyle Lowry, I think you definitely, you know, if they ask for Tyler Harrow, I think you definitely give up Tyler Harrow uh, to get Kyle Lowry. Yeah, probably Tyler Harrow and maybe even throw in uh, Doc and Robinson. But I think really for any of those teams, he definitely make them a championship contender. You pr hit pretty much, you know, every nail on the head. He's still a really good player, even though he's about to turn 35 years old. Definitely. But we want to stick uh, with the same team, uh, just a different player. Uh, Norman Powell has been putting up, uh, has a, averaging a career high in points per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, three-pointers made a game, and three-pointers attempted a game, uh, averaging 19 points per game, uh, shooting 43% from the three-point line, 87% from the free throw line, and uh, almost 50% from the field. Uh, he's 27. Uh, it has an $11.6 million player option for next season, which I'm sure he'll decline. Uh, so his name, you know, has came up in recent weeks in trade talks. Uh, Quentin, do you expect Norman Powell to be on the move? Yeah, like I just mentioned with Kyle Lowry, the Raptors are definitely a team to keep an eye on, especially with all the losing recently as a team who could be moving some of their players and flipping them for assets or maybe even other players that could keep them in possible future contention. But, you know, I think there's been rumor up to possible a dozen teams could be interested in Norman Powell. Uh, you know, his last 10 games, he's averaging 27 points per game and shooting 54% from the field and 44% from three. Uh, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are a team that's been tied they could throw in, you know, somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie. He'd be a nice compliment to somebody like Luca down in Dallas, especially, you know, Kristaps Porzingis uh, suffering an injury down there. And then he's also been linked to a team like the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so I think all those teams could be possible suitors for somebody like Norman Powell. And I think if he goes to the right team, could help them make a playoff push or possible uh, – championship push uh definitely especially with those shooting splits uh shooting uh is at a premium at, in this league uh, at this point in time and uh, he provides plenty of it and he also can you know even though he's only six three six four uh, he can guard some wing players and i think that's always a plus when you got shooting and you can add some defense that's always a plus uh, that any team and any championship contender uh would love to have but moving on to a guy that plays plenty of defense and he's improved drastically as a shooter uh, 23-year-old Alonzo Ball. Uh, there's teams that have been reportedly interested in Chicago, Denver, uh, New York, and even Philadelphia. 
Uh, he's averaging career high in points per game, field goal percentage, a three-point percentage, and also free throw percentage. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on Longo Ball? Uh, do you think he'll be traded in the trade deadline? And so, what do you think? Yeah, so, of course, you know, one thing with Longo, he actually had the opportunity to sign a contract extension this past offseason, but he turned it down. And, you know, I would have thought he'd be a great fit with New Orleans. But, you know, from what I've seen, he may not be in the long-term plan. You know, me personally, I might be a little biased, but besides the Clippers, I think, you know, the best fit for him could be a team like the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we're a team. We got young talent. Like you said, he's only 23 years old himself. He's a much improved shooter. Uh, he's an elite passer. You know, that's the team. The thing our team sorely lacks right now is a playmaker. Uh, you know, Kobe White, he's strong. He's really more of an off, off guard or a scoring guard. Uh, and Lazo is also a great perimeter defender, especially with his wingspan uh, and his speed. But, you know, like I said, he also be a good fit on the Clippers. Uh, they're a great three-point shooting team already, but they could really use somebody who could play make for other uh, players and give them easier looks. And then somebody in Atlanta, they've also been linked to Lonzo Ball. I'm actually – I'm a Laker fan, of course. I think we all know that. And so I was a big Lonzo Ball guy, and to this day I still am. Uh, he's improved drastically uh, as a scorer and as a shooter. He's uh, still a great passer. He's always been a great defender. Like you say, he's 6'6". Uh, long arms, and uh, he'll provide, you know, he'll be a, a great addition for any team, especially a championship contender like the Clippers. I actually, you know, that would be a great move for them if they could, you know, if they had the assets uh, to trade to get them. Uh, you know, like I said, yeah, he, he feels the a need. Uh, play, he's a, a bona fide playmaker, a great passer. Uh, he's a very improved shooter, and I think he fits what they like to do. They like to move the ball around. And make it makes it a lot easier for guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to to put the ball in the basket, which is what they do uh, at a very extremely high level. And with a guy like Lonzo Ball, you know, it takes less of the pressure off them to create for others and you know play make, and they can just focus on scoring and then you know stopping the other teams opposing best wings. So you know, in Chicago, uh, also he's been linked to Lonzo Ball. I've even seen the New York Knicks, uh, who, who seems like they've been in the market for. A talented, a young talented point guard for several years. So I think he even fits there. I've even right. seen Denver uh, as a potential destination and somebody that's interested in Lonzo Ball. But I did see that he's reportedly he wants to make uh, at least twenty million dollars a year on his next deal. I think that's something that's attainable, uh, something that he should receive on an open market, uh, considering his age, his skill set, you know how much room he has, how, how much room he has left to grow. So I think the sky is definitely the limit for Lonzo Ball. Uh, if he does get traded, uh, I honestly don't know where he would, you know, where he would go. Uh, I think him being traded would be a shock to me. I would expect him to just uh, leave in free agency, you know, after this season ends. But if he does get moved, then I'd definitely be surprised. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, another perimeter player possibly, you know, who's in a lot of circles possibly to get moved. Victor Aladipo, who's, you know, currently with the Houston Rockets. But, you know, they've, they're basically tanking at this point with all the losing they've been doing. You know, they just had a franchise worth 20-game losing streak. So I'm pretty sure a player of his caliber and at his age, I, I'm pretty positive he wants to go somewhere he can contend or compete. 
uh, in the playoffs. It's been rumored so far. Teams like the Heat and the Knicks have been interested in his services. He's still a very high-quality player despite his injuries. Uh, Houston's probably asking for a first-round pick and or a young player. I think the Knicks, you know, with them making a push in the Eastern Conference, trying to stay relevant in New York City, uh, Victor Aladipo, it'll be easier to convince him to stay long-term because he is a pending free agent this offseason. Uh, he brings two-way value. Defense is something that Coach Thibodeau loves. And, you know, he step in as possibly second or third scoring option, depending on what you want to do with him and R.J. Barrett. But I think the Knicks or somebody like the Heat will be a good fit for Victor Oladipo. You hit the nail right on, on the head. Made Pretty much made all the points that I had. First round pick and a young player or two, I think that's what it'll take to get him. I think New York has has the assets uh, that can make that trade happen. I, I love to see him play, you know, with Julius Randle and Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Bear and Coach Thibodeau uh, in New York and maybe even Miami or somewhere like that. Or possibly even the Lakers if, you know, if there's something that they could, you know, offer offer maybe somebody like Taylor Horton Tucker and KCP and maybe a first round pick, see if, you know, Houston would bite on that. I don't know if he would stay uh, beyond this year. Maybe he would if they won a championship. Uh, but right. Victor Oladipo is def def definitely an interesting name to watch. And I do expect him to be moved uh, by tomorrow. Right. I think he'll be probably one of the bigger chess pieces that could possibly fall uh, all tomorrow's deadline. And then, you know, a guy who really, he probably won't be dealt at this point. He'll probably be bought out by Cleveland. But, uh, you know, Andre Drummond, as I said, you know, he'll probably be looking at the buyout route. He could possibly land with the, you know, Los Angeles Lakers. At this point, I believe that's probably his top option. I wouldn't sleep on teams like the Clippers, possibly, the Celtics, really any team contender that needs a center. Uh, you know, he brings – he's an elite offensive rebounder. He's a lob threat. Uh, you know, as I said, the offensive rebounds, those extra possessions are very valuable, especially come playoff time. Uh, and he plays pretty good post-defense. So, uh, like I said, Andre Drummond, he'll be a pretty big, pretty big name on the buyout market to keep an keep an eye on. And you mentioned he's been in trade talks and buyout talks for it seems like forever uh, this season. He's twenty seven. He'll be a free agent after this year. I fully expect uh, Cleveland to buy him out, buy out his contract. And last, last reported, uh, said that the Lakers had the edge over Brooklyn in terms of obtaining obtaining services. Averaging 17 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, uh, almost two steals and a, and a block per game. So he's plenty athletic, uh, extremely talented. Is Like you say, he's a monster in offense rebound. I think he'd help any championship contender in need of a center. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, he'll play a big factor for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, we don't want to draw it out too long, but I believe some more guys possibly keep an eye on uh, in the trade deadline tomorrow. Maybe John Collins uh, of the Atlanta Hawks. I highly doubt he'll get traded, but you know, maybe he could go somewhere like Charlotte. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and even Aaron Gordon, the Magic, they look like they might be leaning towards tanking or uh, at least selling, given they have some pretty significant injuries. He hasn't fit in too well there with that team. 
So I think he also requested a trade, a trade, uh, so he could also be on the move tomorrow. And also, a guy that's a veteran, a multiple-time champion, and he also plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Javale McGee. Uh, it's reported that they are shopping Javale, and they're wanting a second-round pick back. Uh, he's averaging eight points, five rebounds, and one block in only 15 minutes of play. So he's still extremely productive. Uh, I could see the Lakers maybe throwing out a second-round pick just to get JaVale back. He played extremely well with us the entire season, even in the bubble last year. So JaVale is definitely named to watch in terms of teams that are in need of a center, uh, a backup center. Yeah, why not running back? And I think, too, another another name to keep an eye off for the Lakers, uh, maybe somebody like J.J. Reddick, who could be another shooter. Definitely. So, and I think he might be interesting I, I, for sure. And I think he's more so of a buyout candidate, more so than a trade candidate. Yeah. Because his salary is right, only, sure. I think his which, salary is only like 11, 12 million. So. Right. Which will make him easier to acquire uh, for contending teams. Definitely. But, you know, between now and uh, three to a two o'clock hour time and three o'clock Eastern time tomorrow, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of moves are being made. Uh, you know, we're, I'm looking forward to seeing some Woge bombs and, you know, some you know news from Shams, so I think it's definitely coming. I don't know who's going to get dealt, uh, but we'll be we'll be looking on just like everybody else will. But moving on to our no last, doubt. we'll definitely uh, have all the moves covered. Oh yeah, but moving on to our last topic of the day, it's a little fun topic here. Uh, I saw a me and Quinn both saw a post on Twitter. I want to yeah. say Pro Football Focus, and the question was, who's the better rushing quarterback, Michael Vick, Cam Newton? or Lamar Jackson? Quinn, what are your thoughts on who's the best Russian QB? Man, so, you know, this is a pretty fun question. Like you said, we both saw it on social media. Thought it'd be fun to throw in this week's show. But, you know, all things considered, have to take into account talent level, uh, what they did in terms of how they transcended the quarterback position when it comes to rushing. Uh, and as well as their individual accomplishments. So, you know, once I took all of those factors into account, you know, I still, I have to say Michael Vick is the best Russian quarterback in NFL history. Uh, of course, he's number one in rushing yards. Uh, he's, I think he had about 36 rushing touchdowns. But, you know, we pretty much know he was a video game character. His speed was pretty much unseen at the quarterback position at his time in the NFL. Uh, and I believe, you know, with the rules that have been put into place now to protect quarterbacks, if you were playing in the man, this crazy. I mean, he possibly had, could have had a 2,000-yard quarterback rushing season that's what i believe anyway for me uh it's simple and i'll break it down here if you want scrambling go with michael vick if you want design runs you go with cam newton uh, but if you want both then you throw it to lamar jackson and lamar jackson does both at arguably probably one of the highest levels that we've ever seen at the quarterback position he's already 12th in rushing all time among quarterbacks he's only played 46 games He's played 94 less games than anybody else that's in the top 12. Think about that. He's already top 12 and played 94 less games than anybody else. 20, he's played 23 games less than anybody else that's in the top 25. He's averaging 62 and a half yards a game. 
which is 20 more yards than anybody than the second closest player. And the second closest player in rushing yards per game by a quarterback is Michael Vick. Now, Vick and Cam are number one and two, respectively. Uh, Randall Cunningham is three. Steve Young is five. And Russell Wilson, to my surprise, is actually number four at over 4,000 rush yards. But I think just Lamar is so young. And what he's what they do in Baltimore, how they rely on him to run the football, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna shatter Michael Vick's rushing record. I agree. I think I actually calculated it. Uh Mark, I mean sorry, Lamar Jackson at his current pace, which I highly doubt a thousand yards a season is unrealistic over the course of like 10, 15 year career. But on pace for about 9,000 rushing yards by the end of his career. And, of course, Michael Vick's record is 6,000. So, I mean, that would be pretty crazy. But, you know, I like how you, you gave the breakdown of the quarterbacks, and I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, and I think, you know, you throw Randall Cunningham in there. He walked, so these guys could run, uh, basically. But, you know, his, his when he played – he was probably one of the smoothest athletes who ever played the quarterback position at the time. Uh, and, you know, the league really wasn't ready for a guy like him to be at quarterback. I believe, you know, if he had been utilized more, he could, you know, have possibly gave Vic a run for best quarterback of all time. But, you know, the thing you have to give him credit for that, you know, these guys either had, didn't do or yet is yet to be seen at the end of his career, he was a great thrower. Uh, and I think that was evident by, you know, when he was 35 years old, uh, he made first team all pro. So like I said, and you have to throw Steve Young in the conversation as well, who has the second most rushing touchdowns ever by a quarterback. So I think my top five, I got, this is in history, by the way, Lamar will go down as the best ever, but right now I got Michael Vick, and then I go Cam Newton, Randall Cunningham, Lamar Jackson, and Steve Young. Oh yeah, I think Vick is still number one right now. But I think, like I said, when all said and done, uh, Lamar will be number one. And I did some calculating with his numbers, uh, and it looks like you know once he reaches, if Lamar is able to play 140 games uh, at his current yards per game, he'd be at 8,000. And by the okay, end, so, yeah, yeah, 8,000. I knew it was somewhere close. And yeah, it'll, be, it, yeah. it'll be at 8,000. And the one thing, one guy we haven't mentioned too much, uh, he's actually one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. I've watched him since he watched him since he was at the University of Florida is Cam Newton. He's second, uh, but he has twice as many rushing touchdowns as Michael Vick does. And we know Cam did yeah. it a little differently. Yeah. We know Cam did it a little differently. He's a lot bigger than the rest of the guys on his list. Uh, but, you know, he's more of a – Averaging five yards to carry, uh, so he's more of a bruiser. Uh, but what Cam has been able to do uh, rushing the ball has been spectacular too. And I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit in terms of you know helping uh, push the game forward in terms of athletic quarterbacks and the way you know offenses have changed. You know with quarterbacks that can run the football because I mean what other quarterbacks you know that you can run a quarterback counter, a quarterback power, and you're not concerned about you know, his health, because we know Cam is going to do what Cam is going to do. He's Superman for a reason. Right. I think, you know, in terms of uh, rushing at the quarterback position, Cam Newton is hands down, you know, the best red zone weapon there was at the quarterback position. 
and you know you brought up the Russian touchdowns, and I think that that's evidence as to you know just how lethal he was down there towards and the goal line. And and not to say he's still lethal. Uh, he had over 500 yards last year and uh, 12 Russian touchdowns with the New England Patriots. So even at age 30, 31, he's still running the football at a high level. So I, I honestly, if Cam can play two, maybe three more years, I honestly see him passing. I could see him passing Michael Vick in terms of rushing yards. Right. And, you know, like I said, all time for me, he's second right now behind Vick for me. Yeah, I have in terms of greatness, in terms of overall greatness. And I think he's about 700 yards shot right now, which I think is definitely attainable. If he remains a starter over the next two seasons with this play style, I think it's definitely attainable to pass Vic in the next two seasons. And I think he will. I think he will too. But is there anything else you want to add? That's about all I got today. Good show, bro. That was a good show. Good show, good show, man. Uh, we want to thank y'all for continuing to support us. Uh, this is episode 45 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Covington. And I'm the one and only, Quentin Douglas. And we out of here. Thank y'all. Deuces. Thanks for watching. If you want to see more full videos or clips like this, subscribe to our YouTube page at First and Foremost Sports Podcast. Thank you.